We know Georgia politics from Peachtree Street to Pennsylvania Avenue. Politically Georgia podcast delivers exclusive news and analysis five days a week by a team of veteran political insiders watching your public officials. Hosted by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Greg Bluestein, Bill Nygut, Tia Mitchell, and Patricia Murphy. Listen weekdays at 10 a.m. on WABE 90.1. Stream everywhere or at AJC.com forward slash podcasts. News and analysis five days a week from Politically Georgia podcast. Ugh, not again. Feeling like you might freak out? Try Guaranteed Ride Home from Commuter Connections. If you ride share to work, you're eligible for a couple of free rides home each year, guaranteed. Why freak out about getting home in case of illness, unexpected emergencies, or unscheduled overtime? Register or renew today for free at commuterconnections.org or 800-745-RIDE. That's commuterconnections.org. Some restrictions apply. From the studios of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C., you are on the Hill. Tom Fitzgerald here with you next time, this time, and we thank you for uh, spending part of your podcast budget with us. <laughs> this week, Washington, D.C. had a remarkable back-to-back session on Capitol Hill. The House impeachment inquiry hearings, the House Intelligence Committee, were held inside the House Ways and Means Committee room, one of the larger rooms on Capitol Hill in the Longworth House Office Building. Part of our coverage here at Fox 5 included A. Scott Bolden. He is a well-known attorney in the nation's capital, as well as being a Democratic strategist, and he joins us this time on the Hill to talk about what we all witnessed in these impeachment inquiry hearings. Thank Scott, you for having me. Coming back with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've had a couple of days to digest um, what we saw. Um, obviously, this series of hearings ended in spectacular fashion with uh, the EU ambassador Gordon Sondland and then mm-hmm. being followed by Fiona Hill uh, for the final day. What, what was your takeaway from, from everything you watched? Do you think that the Democrats made the case to impeach and possibly remove Donald Trump from office? Uh, from, a, from a legal standpoint, they certainly have. High crimes and misdemeanors. Uh, they, 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 they had building blocks. They had corroboration. They had some documents, but not all documents, in connection to uh, the president and his communications. But these are frontline employees. These are uh, folks that don't have a political uh, grind or anything to grind on. They were they were not never Trumpers, if you will, and uh, they were very credible. They were fearless, and they showed up even when their bosses. Uh, won't show up, like Donald Trump won't cooperate, uh, Mulvaney won't cooperate, uh, Rudy Giuliani won't cooperate, although he's talking to the, to the media, and uh, others uh, who we would need their testimony to connect the dots or fill in some blanks. But without it, you have corroboration, you have the whistleblower's complaint, you have the phone call, uh, and you have other uh, documents and witnesses that make the case that this was political dirt in exchange for um, in exchange for this four hundred million dollars. It, it is it, there is no doubt about it, and the fact that it didn't go through or didn't happen is like you go to rob a bank, but you get caught before you still get arrested, even if you didn't complete the robbery. And so it borders on the nonsensical what the Republicans' approach to this was. You and I uh, were part of a uh, a coverage for Fox Five Digital, which. Um, watched the hearings and then provided analysis in, in some of the breaks. And I, I got to tell you, watching it with you, 
mm-hmm. was a little bit like getting to watch a football game with Vince Lombardi <laughs> because <laughs> you 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 have this mind having you know been mm-hmm. in courtrooms for so many years yeah. uh, uh, you can kind of see the play that that's been going on so I wanted to get a sense from you what did you make of, of how the Democrats structured it because you know we started off with Bill Taylor and George Kenton you know people may have kind of found that maybe a bit dry at times but boy towards the end mm-hmm. Gordon Sondland with Fiona Hill if you put all of this together and it was you know given the the breaks and the days in between the hearing mm-hmm. um, I, I thought that that might have maybe taken some of the steam out of the case that the Democrats were trying to build it, to not do this on consecutive days mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but did, did you see a, a narrative here and what did you think of how they space these witnesses out with each part of the story that they brought to the table? Uh, I thought it was excellent, to be honest with you. Uh, I know Dan Goldman. Uh, I've done media with him. I've never been on either side of him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, spacing these days out, quite frankly, was a practical matter. Mm-hmm. Going day in and day out like you would a trial. Well, there's a lot of consideration, a lot of documents, and a lot of other things going on on the Hill beyond the impeachment, uh, which was probably made it more convenient for the congressman. Uh, but you started strong with uh, Taylor, which is all makes sense, and you ended strong with Sodman, uh, Sodman, 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 Sodman. He was um, on Thursday, and then that's right, and then Flynn on Hill, yeah. who were very strong witnesses, despite the the uh, Sodman's, um, you know, his uh, inconsistent statements. He came off uh, very credible. He owned the inconsistency. You know, he was honest. He conceded some points. Uh, he seemed to be enjoying himself. Well, <laughs> he's a he's a yeah. business leader and owns yeah. a lot of hotels, and so he's in the concierge business and stuff. Mm-hmm. He did seem to be enjoying himself, but the reality is the substance of what he said was uh, irrefutable. You see, if you tell the truth as a witness in court or in impeachment hearings and stuff, and you commit to the proposition, then it's hard to score any points if I'm an honest broker, if I'm going to be an honest witness. And the Republicans can attack him for bias and inconsistencies. But the core part of his testimony, he was unflappable, and they did not score any points. The same thing with Fiona Hill. And so in the end, the only question is, uh, was there a bribe? Did the president try to uh, muscle uh, Zelensky uh, to do these investigations for Burisma and the Bidens in exchange for this $400 million, whether they knew it was being held up or not? And then all of a sudden, because it didn't happen, the $400 million was released when, it was, when the story came out that this is what was going on behind the scenes. Uh, it leaves the Republicans, given the corroboration of the documents, it leaves them very little wiggle room other than these conspiracy theories, other than them wanting to put Biden and Biden's son on, other than them wanting to uh, take the narrative to what Obama did for Ukraine or didn't do for Ukraine. These are all red herrings. They're not really relevant, probative, or material to what's before the committee. And that is, did the president commit high crimes and misdemeanors? Did he shake down Zelensky? And the most powerful part of this the piece of evidence is the president's own words and and I, I, I tell you listeners this Zelensky at the end of that phone call he agreed he said he'd have his own investigators he'd have his own uh, j- chief of justice and that he was going to do it one because he would have done anything to get this 400 million one of the things that Sondland testified was to the fact that he wasn't so sure that having already placed the idea in the Ukrainians heads that they could call it off at any point Mm-hmm. Um, that this might have been a fait accompli, having even suggested it to the Ukrainians. And 
in the first place. Republicans seem to, at one point Friday, just abandon Fiona Hill. They didn't want to ask her questions because mm-hmm. some of the things she said and directly at Republicans were, was devastating. As far as, mm-hmm. you know, repeating, you know, stories about CrowdStrike falling into uh, a narrative that the Russians would want uh, people to say about how it was rec- Ukraine that actually hacked the 2016 elections when, in fact, 17 U.S. intelligence agencies had mm-hmm. determined um, that it was, in fact, Russia mm-hmm. that this plays in all this. Wh- what do you do if you're the Republicans when you've got a witness on? Mm-hmm. This is not a stand. It was a witness. Mm-hmm. But, when you, but when you've got somebody... That's so devastating, um, and you have to ask questions of them. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you approach that, and what did you see from the Republicans about how they approached it? Very carefully, yeah. you approach it because she's gonna hurt you, she's gonna bite you, and she came out guns blazing about um, this nefarious uh, Ukrainian involvement in the 2016 elections, and that Ukraine was somehow against um, uh, Trump. And she also said that Russia essentially was winning because they have disrupted and divided our political discourse in this country, in part because the president has bought into uh, this Ukrainian uh, fiction that the Republicans have come up with and that Donald Trump continues to perpetuate. Uh, So what do you do? You try to poke holes in her story. You try to attack her either on bias or prior inconsistencies. But she was a strong witness, and she had some political statements within her testimony, and it's tough. One of the other witnesses of note in the past week was uh, former U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Marie Ivanovich. Uh, During her testimony, which she talked about um, the events leading up to her removal Mm -hmm. as U.S. ambassador, during her testimony, President Trump tweeted and Mm -hmm. tweeted at her and about her, mm-hmm. um, about everywhere in the president's words she was sent uh, was a problem, whether it was Somalia or whether it was uh, some other place in the world, Ukraine. You know, the reason a career diplomat like Marie Yovanovitch was probably sent to that place and to begin with was because it was a hot spot. Um, and that's where you send people with lots of experience to go. But you send your best people to those tough spots. What mm-hmm. did you make of the president's tweets? Democrats said that this was witness intimidation. Mm-hmm. Is that how you saw it? Uh, arguably, it was witness intimidation, but it was just highly, highly inappropriate, much like a lot of the things the president tweets about or says about people. These personal attacks on a lifetime diplomat who's given her her entire life to service and uh, of America, defending America. Uh, she's a true patriot, and she was she was recalled based on false a false smear campaign. And while she's testifying, the president continues to smear her in the middle of her testimony, where she's got no axe to grind whatsoever. She's there to tell the truth. And the one thing I got out of her testimony was this was really the last place she really wanted to be. That she's a very humble public servant. She likes what she does. She's smart. She's capable. Mm -hmm. She knows what she's doing. And we're better as a country because of her leadership. The day of um, Yovanovitch's testimony, um, one of our political analyst that way that day sitting in the Democratic chair was uh, Lisa Contopoulos, who's mm-hmm. a Democratic strategist. And mm-hmm. she made the point that as a diplomat, Yovanovitch gave diplomatic answers mm-hmm. and diplomatic responses <laughs> and uh, at times seemed reluctant to go 
the way some of the questions may have um, uh, led her to go down different paths. Um, do, do you feel in any way that because some of these individuals were diplomats, and you, know, you could see the difference when you look at the testimony of Gordon Sondland, mm -hmm. who is not a career professional not all. diplomat. He's somebody <coughs> who, in his own words, donated a lot of money to, to the Trump mm -hmm. campaign, was appointed to his job. Um, was that a problem at all, that some of these individuals, like Bill Taylor, like Marie Yovanovitch, even Jennifer Williams, these are, you know, diplomatic State Department types. Absolutely. You know, they're derided sometimes as the pinstripe crowd in, mm -hmm. in Foggy Bottom, mm -hmm. maybe not used to the rough and tumble of a, of a House impeachment hearing. Well, their job is not to be political. Their yeah. job is to do diplomacy. So was there power in that? Yeah, absolutely. Because whenever um, any one of those uh, government uh, employees, the diplomatic corps was there, you could see that they understood different buckets. They weren't mixing up politics with diplomacy, and they're trained that way. And many of them, not Sondland, but many of them um, uh, have, been, have been doing this for 20, 30, 40 years. So I'm not surprised at that, and I think their non-political answers that were rooted in truth I think that made them even more powerful witnesses because the Republicans could attack them for being never Trumpers, attack them for their performance uh, with no evidence or documents uh, to prove any of this. They were just throwing things up against the wall to see what stuck. Uh, I think each of those diplomatic witnesses just uh, stayed focused. It is, they were who they were, mm -hmm. and that was consistent with what they do on a day-to-day -day job, on their day-to-day -day job. And so I think it... it uh, it uh, lent to their credibility. It didn't take away from it. Ah, come on. Feeling like you might freak out? Try Guaranteed Ride Home from Commuter Connections. If you ride share to work, you are eligible to receive a couple of free rides home each year. Guaranteed. Why freak out about getting home in case of illness, unexpected emergencies, or unscheduled overtime? Register or renew today for free at commuterconnections.org or 800-745-RIDE. That's commuterconnections.org. Some restrictions apply. When Gordon Sondland said that there was a quid pro quo right out of the gate in his opening statement, mm -hmm. that made a lot of people's eyes bulge, and those were the magic words that Democrats wanted to hear. However, the rest of that sentence was at Rudy Giuliani's direction. Mm -hmm. Sondland, again and again and again, said that he was never told by President Trump that this was a quid pro quo, that mm -hmm. he wanted these things in exchange uh, for U.S. military aid. I, is that a problem moving forward? doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because Ju Rudy Giuliani has said he was working on behalf of the president. And if you told Sondland that he was, that this was uh, guns in exchange for political dirt, the president has admitted, his chief of staff has admitted, admitted it, Rudy Giuliani has admitted it, and now these, these government witnesses that we heard from just corroborated and gave their take on what was an open secret within this administration. Mm -hmm. Terribly powerful. You take that and couple it with the documents, the call, the whistleblower's uh, um, uh, complaint, all, corroborated, all corroboration, and then the third component of all of this, which may be the most important, and that is that, that uh, Donald Trump hasn't cooperated, the chief of staff hasn't cooperated, um, Mulvaney hasn't cooperated, Rudy Gianni may or may not cooperate at some point, and you, 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 if, if there was no quid pro quo or if this was a perfect phone call or perfect deal, 
then why not turn over the documents? Why not encourage your employees, appointees, or otherwise to testify? That's always been the, the, the mind-boggling part of the Republicans. Whether they controlled all three houses or not, they're angry. And they're angry and they want to fight and they want to play the victim role. But a lot of this is driven by the Trump narrative. He triggers all of this. One of the congressmen said it's that if you want to put the, put the person on the witness stand who started all of this, we'll be more than happy to have Donald Trump come sit down. Yeah, but it's point, always his point, narrative. He even said he was considering it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It would have been I, I just a I hold heck my, of a day. I wouldn't hold my breath on No, that no, no. He's not going to um, do that. So as we sit here now, um, as we record this, it's the uh, weekend before Thanksgiving. It's likely that the House of Representatives and the Judiciary Committee will pass or will take up articles of impeachment mm-hmm. if they haven't been written up already. Once they get the report. Yeah, once they mm-hmm. get the report. And they accept the report uh, vis-a-vis through the Judiciary Committee. It doesn't look like they're going to have any more hearings at this point. None are scheduled, at least mm-hmm. in the House Intelligence Committee. Do they need more hearings, in your opinion? Well, uh, remember, we got a couple of uh, judicial opinions that are coming out, one on Monday in regard to Kupperman mm-hmm. and whether he's been forced, to, he's going to be forced to testify by the court. I think he, the, the court is going to under, is, is going to require him to testify. There's another one on another witness that's pending, but that won't come for another two or three weeks. Depending on that decision on tomorrow, mm-hmm. it, it may dictate whether others testify. But, but, but the Democrats have enough already because watch for the impeachment articles to include obstruction of justice. Mm-hmm. Instead of waiting for the courts, they're going to roll obstruction of justice in. What's your mind on that? Because we have two weeks now of hearing. There seemed mm-hmm. to be a beginning, middle, and an end mm-hmm. to how they laid out their testimony. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether you agree with it or not, you know there was two weeks there where this was front and center. Um, could they theoretically feel that in order to show the American people that they are moving expeditiously about this, that they've concluded their public hearings and are now moving on to the next phase? Or is there more to the story if they if they feel that they've maybe not made that case? Well, there's always more to the story. Because I'm thinking if John Bolton decides suddenly exactly, that he wants to exactly. testify, they're going to open up those those hearings rooms right away. Exactly. Remember, the political appointees and the cabinet members uh, and the chief of staff are all super important. But if they can't get to them, they're not going to wait to fight it out in court. They'll roll it into an obstruction of justice and make it one of the articles and say, uh, notwithstanding all of this corroboration we have and all of these witnesses who were fearless in coming forth to tell the truth, this coupled with the fact that senior administration officials refused to cooperate. Why? I, don't, I still don't know how you argue legitimately that you can avoid a, a subpoena. It's just not going to happen uh, under, under the law, but that's what their position is. You take the obstruction of justice and the lack of cooperation. There's not only an inference, but it's a pretty powerful uh, issue that the Democrats will roll it into obstruction of justice and just make it one of the uh, impeachment articles. And if these things were to take place, articles of impeachment mm-hmm. being passed by the entire House, this would then shift this entire activity, as we know, over to the U.S. Senate mm-hmm. for trial. Um, what is your expectation there? Uh, Mitch McConnell has said he can't imagine that there are 67 <laughs> votes in the U.S. Senate right now mm-hmm. to impeach and remove Donald Trump from office. I, I'm not sure sure he's not right about that. Um, excuse me. Yeah. <clears throat> I think he's uh, right about that right now. It is unlikely. And that's a sad commentary on the Senate and this country. What do I mean by that? I think when it gets to the Senate, not only will Donald Trump be on trial, 
American values will be on trial. Who do we want to be as a country? Do we want to be with the Republicans and, and Donald Trump and all of the noise and nonsense that comes from him? Or are we going to go back to American values and practice them and communicate them and go back to whatever the norm is? But in some ways, con you know, politics, you know, it sounds like a, you know, beating a dead horse beer here, but not only politics has changed, the nature of politicians has changed as well, too. Oh, absolutely. Even, even in the 1998 mm -hmm. impeachment of Bill Clinton, um, the Senate did seem to approach that as jurors mm -hmm. um, in a way. Bill Clinton was, of course, acquitted mm -hmm. uh, of the Argos impeachment he faced in that trial. But there does seem to be a different tone mm -hmm. between the different parties now than even we saw 20 years ago. Yeah, the Republicans have just taken on partisanship to a whole nother level, uh, above and beyond party. So partisanship rules everything now. They Remember, the, the Republicans and the Democrats, to some extent, um, the Republicans are talking about partisanship issues. They're not talking about what's best for the country or not even taking up whether it's powerful that we have a president, sitting president, mm -hmm. that engages in this type of political gangsterism. That's not subject to the debate. The Dems are debating that. Republicans aren't even debating that. Their defenses, some 24 different ones, don't even touch on whether this occurred and how devastating this is, how we have a, a president, an administration, that by all accounts um, are being treated by the, by the Russians as political assets of the Russians, because the only group to benefit from this uh, holding up the 400 million were the Russians. Remember, there's an ongoing frontline war going on with Ukrainians defending their country against Russian aggression. Uh, and our positions, public positions by the administration, uh, to the denouncement of our, uh, our uh, CIA and State Department and intelligence community that says Russia uh, meddled in our elections we're not even talking about that anymore. And the Republicans and the Democrats need to not only be talking about that, Democrats have passed legislation to strengthen our state election systems. The, the Republicans who are in control uh, won't take it up and, and won't vote to support it and defend their positions on this. We're in really, really new territory here. Do you think that the Senate, if they move quickly to have these, this trial take place, do they dispatch it, and Democrats can then now run in the next presidential election, arguing that President Trump had been impeached, but yet the Senate Republicans? Well, there's a big office. part of this that that political uh, narrative going on. The one thing the impeachment does is one. I guess the is question is, does this become a tool, you know, a verbal weapon for the Democrats later on that they yes. can, they can go out and say, we the did House our of representatives job passed articles of impeachment, mm -hmm. we sent it to the Senate, and Senate Republicans kept him in office. Yeah, I think the Senate vote is going to be a little more difficult than McConnell and others make it, because the senators will be on trial, uh, the American value system, the political value system will be on trial, and Donald Trump will too. I don't think there are 57 votes, but it, it's going to be a telltale moment. 67. 67 yeah. votes. I don't think they have them there, but it's going to be a telltale moment that, that senators, both Republicans and Democrats, are going to have to stand up and defend. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of times the, def the Republicans try to defend the indefensible. And so uh, I hope each senator takes it to heart and uh, gives it deep thought and, and comes up with the right decision. That's a hope. That's not reality. <laughs> a. Scott Bolden is a noted attorney. 
here in the District of Columbia and a well-known Democratic strategist as well. He was kind of joining us to join us on the Hill to uh, discuss uh, the last two weeks of the impeachment process. Scott, thank we appreciate you. it. Absolutely. Thank right. you for having and we me. thank you as well for taking mm-hmm. time out of your day to spend with us on the Hill. From the studios of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C., I'm Tom Fitzgerald. We'll see you back here next time on the Hill. Volvieron. Los McNugget Buddies are back at McDonald's. Y ahora tienen un nuevo look, diseñado por el streetwear designer Kerwin Frost. Cada buddy tiene su propio vibe, pero cuando el squad está completo, se ven fire. Complete your buddy squad ordenando the Kerwin Frost box. Cada caja incluye un buddy, tu elección de una Big Mac o unos 10-piece chicken McNuggets, papitas medianas y un refresco mediano. Disponible desde el 11 de diciembre. Para pa pa pa. En McDonald's participantes por tiempo limitado hasta agotar existencias.